Okay, before I get to my next guest, David Purcell, let me remind you about our friends over at Two Under. Two Under men's performance briefs are the official underwear of the 2021 U.S. Ryder Cup team, the captain and all vice captains. They are worn by more than 30 players on the PGA and Champions Tour. They are also worn by over 70 NCAA Division I colleges and 17 NFL teams. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort, fit, and performance from the golf course to the boardroom to the bedroom. Find these two underperformance men's briefs in over 4,000 golf pro shops nationwide, all Shields sports stores, PGA Tour Superstore, Golf Galaxy, and other fine retailers near you. Go online to twounder.com. That's the number two, U-N-D-R.com. Two under performance in your pants. Use code on the T20 for a 20% discount at checkouts. Not valid on items already on sale or NCAA license briefs. All right. Now, next on the T with me is David Purcell. David is the founder and CEO of FarmLinks at Purcell Farms, which is a fabulous looking golf course and resort in Alabama. David is an Auburn alumni. He graduated with his degree in commercial art. He founded FarmLinks back in 2003. The golf course was named Best Public Course in the State of Alabama by Golf Advisor, and it was also number one on GolfAlabama.com and in Golf Week magazine as well. And it's an honor to have David with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, David, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. David, I mentioned at the top of the show, when most people think about the best public golf courses, in the state of Alabama, pretty much everyone, I think, goes to the Robert Trent Jones Trail, and one of those courses immediately comes to mind. But Farm Links topped all of them, and just about every publication I've looked at, talk about that's got to make you feel great. You know, it does. We're kind of the underdogs because uh, the trail uh, got started before we did, and uh, they are a very well-publicized amenity here in Alabama have done great, uh, brought a lot of uh, tourism to Alabama, and uh, started, they were one of the first to start the golf trails in states around. I know that it's been duplicated since then, but, uh, yeah, so we're a one-off golf experience here. Uh, We, you know, our, our story goes back in the fertilizer business when we used to sell Controlled release fertilizer for the golf course superintendents all across the country and around the world and in Canada and different places. And we used to bring them here. And so we built, uh, we built a really nice guest lodge and, uh, this 18 hole, uh, research and demonstration golf course called FarmLink. And it was all about selling fertilizer back in the day. So this is back in the, uh, the early 2000s. And when we, one of the things we found out is that if we could get a golf course superintendent to, uh, get out of his environment, come and visit us, it was, it was all, you know, it was a free trip for those guys. And they would spend three days, two nights here. And we could not only show them, uh, our fertilizer plants and meet our people. They got some classroom training, but the real clincher was that we were able to demonstrate the usage of our product on this 
research and demonstration golf course, which had never been done before. So everything was just so unique. And uh, so, you know, Herds and Fry Golf Design uh, out of Columbus, Ohio, they were the ones to design the golf course. I had met Mike Herdson and told him what it was we were trying to do. And they just built a fabulous uh, track here. We used a lot of property, a lot of land to create an 18-hole golf course. And people love it because it, it's really, uh, I won't say it, it's easy, but it, it's, uh, you know, we don't try to penalize the golfer as much as maybe some courses would. But uh, we just like people to have a good time. You know, if they hit a stray ball, uh, we, we don't grow the roughs up to where you're going to lose your ball. And and people just really enjoy it. And a lot of times we'll have people come and they'll just say, I just shot my best score of my life. And that is absolutely uh, one of the best things I love to hear is that people are having fun. They enjoy the course and they're coming in droves. And it's, it's you know, it's just been an amazing dream come through for me because I, I grew up, I was a golfer as a kid and and just loved the game. But grew up in the fertilizer business, and and I'm a you know commercial art major at Auburn University. A lot of creative skills, and it's just been really really fun to have people come to our little neck in the woods, which is not on the beaten path in here in Alabama, and uh, 3,200 acres, and we just love doing hospitality here. So I know that's a long answer, but there you go. <laughs> I appreciate that. But you you mentioned that the the course is a research and demonstration course. What do you mean by that? Well, of course, um it was it was uh we did some research on it. Uh we would try new products on new grasses. We had partners with uh Toro and Club Car and BASF and some others that were all the top names in the golf industry. And what was really cool about uh, FarmLinks was people would come and play, and we may have an area in the middle of the landing zone on hole number one, which is a par five, and it was just a little, like a little small research deal, and they would have a sign on it, and we would talk about what's going on there. And people, you know, people were just mesmerized by all this, these little trials that we had going on and uh and it became it, it was it was so much more than just a golf round they got to uh see different types of grasses we have about 35 different uh types of grasses out here all the greens are the same and uh all the fairways are are one season grasses we have zoysias zoro zoysia and uh some bermudas and uh, we we tried some things that didn't work, and we <laughs> replaced them. It was just really a lot of fun, and uh, it was just so different from what anybody would see anywhere else. No no private club could try what we did because they would have members jumping up and down because they had a research plot in the middle of the landing zone on number one. But you know, we would do it just to do it. It was just a lot of fun. And David. You're an amazing artist and graphic designer as well. I've seen some pictures 
that you've drawn or painted um, some of the legends in the game of golf. Talk about the ones that you've done and why you chose those players. Yeah, you know, it started off uh, being an artist growing up. Um, I uh, remember going up to Shoal Creek right after it opened, and I saw this uh, this drawing of Bobby Jones in their kind of wind down room where they would you would go and get you know drinks or food after your uh, round. And I was looking up at that, and I said, you know, I can do that. And and I love golf, and I also studied golf history. Uh, so Bobby Jones became the very first figure I ever drew. And, and as you know, there's so many classic uh, photos of Bobby Jones swinging a golf club and just doing different things back in the late 20s and early 30s. So I uh, I did a, a, a big drawing, got some prints made of it, donated the original to Shoal Creek, to the board of directors of Shoal Creek. And I, at the same time, I was uh, applying to get into Shoal Creek. So this was back in, like, 1990. And, um, and of course, they, they uh, voted me in, and they hung that picture on the, uh, in the boardroom, just kind of up on the mantle, up on this huge rock fireplace. And, and I was honored by that. So, uh, so then I just, I just, uh, started, uh, out with the uh, Golf Course Superintendents Association of America. They commissioned me for 14 years to draw somebody different every year. So I drew, uh, you know, kind of whoever would win the, the old Tom Morris award and, and got to meet, you know, Byron Nelson and, uh, Greg Norman and, Paul Azinger and I, you know, all kinds of people. I drew Nicholas and, uh, Arnold Palmer. And, uh, so I, I just, you know, since I, since my affinity was golf, I just kind of decided to really focus on golfers. But I've done, you know, I did a, uh, right after <laughs> I, 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 I've kind of gotten known for uh, doing drawings of, of people who have recently died, such as Dale Earnhardt when he had his accident. You know, I did this. We're right in the middle of NASCAR country, and we're about 25 miles from the Talladega Speedway here. And uh, so I drew a picture of Dale Earnhardt, which my wife says is the best one I've ever done. And then I did, uh, you know, I, I got to do uh, Sam Sneed one time, got, met, met Sam up at the Greenbrier up in West Virginia. And uh, he came down one time for a charity golf event that I put on here for Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. And, uh, boy, you talk about a, a a cool personality. He was a trip. He was, he was, he could, he could tell you anything about, uh, now he was in his eighties when he came down here. He could tell you what, what he shot each day in the 1936 U.S. Open, but he couldn't tell you what he had for lunch today. So he was just he was just one story after another, and I was fascinated with with that. But I've drawn uh, uh, I've got the original I drew of uh, of Sam Snead is is actually up in the clubhouse up at uh, the Greenbrier, and then I did a uh, I did a drawing of Charlie Yates. 
who uh, was the great amateur at Augusta National and uh, was able to present the original drawing to he and his family in the Butler cabin um, in the 90s. And uh, so I've got an original in the Butler cabin. And so I'm just kind of trying to work my way around and get my artwork as many places as possible. But uh, but I probably got about 50 different print series out there. And when people want to want to get one, it, it, everything goes to charity, and it's it's awesome. David, I you know Sam Steen is a guy that uh, I revere, and uh, I loved him during the course of his career and the things that he achieved. And I've heard a lot of stories about Sam Steed. So I'm curious to get yours. Like, was there a favorite story that he either shared with you or from your time getting to spend whatever amount of time it was with him? Well, uh, one of the things he said was, uh, he, you know, he never won, uh, the U.S. Open. And that's what he always wanted to win. He won the British Open, won the, the Masters, won the PGA. And he told me one time, he says, if I had just shot even par, I would have won the U.S. Open like four or five times. I mean, and he just, you know, back then they didn't really know who was shooting what. So he would kind of get in trouble on a hole. Next thing you know, he'd start pressing and, and he would lose by one or two, kind of like that. But, uh, he, uh, I'll tell you a cool story about when he played in our charity golf event. Now, he's probably 80, 84 years old, and he comes up to Greystone Country Club, and he puts on a little clinic for all of the people that were participating in this charity golf event. And Sam was, uh, you know, he still holds the record for the most wins and uh, on the PGA Tour. So... Uh, he uh, he's out hitting balls, and he's still got that classic, beautiful golf swing. I mean, you know, and everybody. I mean, I think it's truly one of the best golf swings ever in the history of professional golf. And so he's he's out there hitting uh, a five iron about a hundred and fifty yards. Okay, so he's just got this nice little swing, and he's just kind of, he'd hit a draw, he'd hit a cut, and uh, and everybody's just kind of standing around. And then all of a sudden, he kind of stops and turns around with that Sam Snead grin, and he looks at the crowd, he says, I bet y'all don't think I could still hit this 200 yards. And everybody said, you know, no, we, we want to see you hit it. and And so... He lined up and he hit a just a rocket out there about you know over 200 yards, just this beautiful little draw. And you know, here's 84 year old guy with a with a uh, with a swing. You know, all his clubs are just absolutely worn out in the sweet spot. And uh, everybody was just really fascinated with how how good an athlete he was. And uh, Maybe, maybe one of the, I mean, he could probably rival some of the, the guys playing today, not necessarily in strength or whatever, but I mean, he literally could kick a dime off the top of a, of a door. You know, he, he used to do that all the time and win money. And, uh, he was just very, very limber, but, uh, 
totally, totally full of stories. And, you know, I love that. I, I spent hours with him just listening to him talk about, you know, all his golf experiences. And, David, there's a lot of history on your golf course that players can go out there and learn about during the course of playing their round. Talk about that and how players can read about that history. Yeah, you know, all of our golf holes have different names. And um, so some of it is geographical. Some of it is, is historical. You know, we have uh, – there was a, a, a fort uh, that was built by Andrew Jackson about just really a couple of miles from the farm here. And uh, he floated down the Coosa River and uh, had about 5,000 Tennessee volunteers and federal troops and went over and fought the Creek Indians at Horseshoe Bend. And they came right across our farm during that time. Uh, Hernando de Soto supposedly came through here. Uh, and we, you know, there's, there's names of golf holes like, uh, Number five, which is, uh, I don't know if any of your listeners, uh, have played here or know about the course, but we've got this one hole that definitely a candidate to be, you know, our trademark hole. And it's, uh, it's a par three, about 220 yards from the, from the back tee, but it's a 170 foot drop. And we call it hang time because you hit a ball out there and, uh, you know, the wind can do some really, really interesting things with the ball that, that goes up and then, and then literally goes down another 170 feet of where it normally would hit the ground. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there, there were some Herdson and Fry, the, the, uh, the great architectural group that, uh, you know, famous for Aaron Hills, uh, Mike Hurdson and Dana Fry, they were, they were great friends. And I just really enjoyed spending time with them out on the golf course and just rerouting, uh, you know, some holes. I, I would give them credit for most of the golf course, but occasionally they would come up, come out and, and they would, you know, call me out of my office and say, Hey, I, we got to make a decision on this, this particular routing change. And, uh, so I get to go out and kind of give my opinion, but this is land that, uh, you know, that I kind of grew up on. I raised a family of six out here and we spent a lot of time on the land well before we ever built the golf course. So, uh, you know, I was, I knew a lot about the land and knew what it was I wanted to construct out here. And they absolutely did a magnificent job with that. So the the little uh the the signs each hole has kind of a little story with it which is kind of fun to people coming out for the first time as well. David, I want to ask you about a few of the other holes on the golf course and and I read that on the 14th hole there can be any number of creatures sort of lurking off the left side of that par 4 it's uh, I think you named it the swamp hole. I'm guessing if you go way left you might just want to drop another ball and not go look in there. Is that accurate? Uh, yes. Uh, let's just say that there's nobody that has ever gone looking for a ball back way back in that hole on the left and never come back. So <laughs> it's no, what there is, there's a, there's a, uh, 
there's a swamp. There's a uh, a body of water that runs down through there, and it it was a wetland. And so Hurston and Fry, they were always very very protective of of uh, of wetlands, and you know, wanted to make sure environmentally. In fact, they're they're uh, the name of their firm was Herds and Fry Environmental Golf Design. They were very much known for taking care of the environment and making sure that you stayed away from uh kind of where nature is. And so yes, you play that hole to par four and uh the left really doesn't come into play that much, but if you do hit something over there uh, it would not be advantageous to go look for it very long and not very deep. Uh, I, I, there have been times when I have actually kind of jokingly said, you know, if I gave you a million dollars, would you take all your clothes off and go swim through that swamp <laughs> to the other side? And I hadn't had a taker yet. So, uh, it's, uh, yeah, there's, you know, in Alabama, all our snakes are poisonous, so I don't think you want to go out there and mess with them. I also read that the Bermuda grass on the 15th hole only needs to be mowed once a year. Is that accurate? That is not accurate, but uh, it makes for a great story. Uh, the only the only grass that doesn't need to be mowed is called artificial grass, uh, <laughs> and uh, we don't have any of that out here, but... but uh, literally on the, on the 15th hole, we have changed that hole out more times with different grasses. Uh, I mean, from time to time, we would just go in and just completely redo it, redo the fairway. All the greens have stayed the same. And we've got bent grass, uh, A1, A4 bent grass that kind of transitioned into T1 bent grass. But, uh, and, and we've probably got you know, we're probably about as far south as you'll you'll see healthy uh, bent grass, but uh, but that particular hole, we always kind of liked it because it was it was almost like a Swiss Army knife of things that you could do. You could do bunker surrounds, put in new grasses. So uh, back in the day when we were bringing in you know a thousand to fifteen hundred golf course superintendents a year, we would. Uh, you know, the grass companies would come in and they would want to showcase some of their new grasses. So we'd allow them to do that on that particular hole. And David, talk about the original farmhouse that stands by the 18th tee. It was built way back in the 1800s. I imagine it's got quite a history. Yes, sir. It was a uh, plantation home that, that predates the Civil War. And it was not in our family. My My parents found the home and it was it was dilapidated but it wasn't in terrible shape it just it had a good roof on it and all the timber was heart pine and so the the bones of the building uh, of the building was good so they decided in the uh in the 70s when I took off to go to Auburn I was the youngest child they moved out to uh, the little community called Fayetteville, Alabama, and they uh, they began renovating this home, and it took them about two years to renovate it, literally back to its grandeur, back probably during the Civil War. Uh, it has a you know it had a smokehouse, uh, a lot of historical 
uh, buildings around it, built on the on a little knoll around uh, uh, about 25 different springs, which serve as our complete ir- irrigation source today. Um, and so there was uh, the the uh, the agricultural crop that this particular plantation had. Um, run by a guy named uh, Moses Hamilton that actually uh, lived in the house and and uh, and, and had the, operated the plantation. Uh, it was a uh, they had they had orchards. They were known for all these orchards and these fruits that they would grow around. Uh, you know, around they would they would haul these fruits like the surrounding counties and all. And I've read some historical accounts about what, what great fruits they used to, uh, to grow. And, uh, you know, so now we're operating the, the, uh, that, that particular venue. My parents actually lived in that home for 30 years. We turned it into, uh, a wedding venue. About 22 acres. I actually call it the Augusta National of Wedding Venues because uh, it is it is amazing, and we're, I mean, we're we're really uh, covered up with with weddings, but um, so we're we're kind of growing a different type of fruit now that we're uh, we do a lot of uh, ministry related things on the farm, and uh, and of course having these these weddings uh, at the same Spot. That's every weekend. There's a wedding, and uh, it's just kind of fun. It's that's a, that's a little bit aside from the golf course itself, but um, but we also have uh, we have the uh, Orvis shooting grounds here. Actually, the the family that owns Orvis approached us about uh, putting in a shooting grounds, and uh, or they do so they operate it. We they're not our employees, it's Orvis's employees. And what they're doing is teaching people. They want to teach people about upland bird hunting. So they have sporting clay range. They have uh, they have five stands. they got all kinds of instructional areas. They do fly fishing instruction. And then they also handle all the fishing on our property, which we've got a lot of. We don't have any whitewater streams, but we got a lot of really, really, you know, good stock ponds here. And then they also do uh, live, you know, bird hunting out here, uh, dove, duck, quail, and pheasant on the property. So there's a lot to do. Whether if you come here for golf, you could. There's a lot more that you can do other than golf. You come here for a business meeting, or you come here for a wedding. Um, this is just a, a great place to to be entertained a lot of different ways. David, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they get more information about the resort and then stay up to date with what's going on there, either on your website or over social media? Yeah, so uh, social media, uh, my my son-in-law is our director of marketing, so he's always sending things out. Uh, so Purcell Farms is the uh, the name of the resort itself. It's P-U-R-S-E-L-L. F-A-R-M-S, and then Farm Links is the name of the golf course, which is also um, 
it's uh, one of the, one of our trademarks is uh is the, are the longhorn bulls out at the front entrance when you drive into the golf course and so our our icon or our little logo on the shirt is a it's a combination of a longhorn bull swinging a golf club kind of like Bobby Jones would so you got a a longhorn bull wearing plus fours and it's just a really really cool logo and it's probably one of the best things I ever designed as far as the logo is concerned but uh but the best way to if uh if anybody's interested and uh really highly recommend you at least look at it is to go to our website uh com, and it's got all kinds of information photography videos and that's kind of a good source for people to learn about it and it's got all our contact information on it well david it's been great having you as part of the show i hope you'll come back and join me again sometime keep us up to date with what's happening out there at parcel farms yes sir well thank you so much for having me and uh god bless thank you david same back to you and your family stay safe my friend all the best that is David Purcell, P-U-R-S-E-L-L, Purcell Farms. And then, obviously, Farm Links, like you said, is the name of the golf course. Folks, you got to go online just to at least check out the place. I mean, as I was looking at the golf course and the, and the different holes, and like you said, it's got all kinds of different names for what they've got going on out there. But it is one heck of a great-looking golf course. I mean, it has to be, right? To be the number one golf course that you can play in the state of Alabama, again, we all know about the Robert Trent Jones Trail and the, and the many golf courses that they have and how wonderful those are. And to think that, part, that Purcell Farms leapfrogged over all of them to be the number one course in the state of Alabama, got to be special. It looks that way online. Hopefully, I get the uh, the opportunity to go out there and play sometime. But you got to go check it out. It looks fantastic. All right, my friends. It is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again go out to Tom Patrick, Bob Ford, Tom Pertzer, and David Purcell for joining me tonight. Folks, please check out our website, nextonthetea.net, to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. And we're going to be kicking off the month of August in style with four great guests, starting with Hal Sutton. He's going to be making a return visit with us. Hal's become a wonderful friend over the last couple of years. We'll also get a long overdue return visit from 2003 PGA champion Sean McKeel. Top instructor Jason Hayes will be back with us. And speaking of great golf courses, Jason's home course, Buffalo Dunes, was named the eighth best municipal course in the country this year by Golf Magazine back in June. So we'll certainly be talking about that. Then we'll round out the show with Golf Digest Top 100 instructor Eric Johnson. You guys know he has been a great friend since the beginning of this show eight seasons ago. So really looking forward to having him back as part of the show. So it's going to be a great one, folks. I hope you'll come back and be a part of the show with us. Folks, you can stream this show as a podcast on a number of great podcasting sites and apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify. Pandora is now jumped on board. iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Audioboom, Player.fm, and Podcast.co. Folks, if you've got a favorite podcasting app, I'm sure we're on it. Just type in Next on the T in the search bar. You'll probably find us there. Folks, thank you again for choosing to listen to the show tonight. 
I really appreciate the fact that you continue to make Next on the Tee a part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.